Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some time with us here again today. If you'd like a copy of our top 10 resources based on the guests and the subjects that we've covered here on the show, please go to educationonfire.com, put in your email and we'll send it direct to your inbox. Now today I'm chatting to Garrett and Mandy Ola and they're a married couple that love to help people travel abundantly and affordably with their families. Now education happens from not just inside the classes but the experiences and the understanding that children have in their life at large. Now, this is a really fascinating conversation about the, the real-life experiences that Garrett and Mandy have managed to provide for their children, both in terms of schooling, but also outside on their travels as well. So I hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation. But just before we chat to them both, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk forward slash journal. Hi, Garrett and Mandy. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Education on Fire podcast. You bet. We're uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having us. So this is going to be a slightly different focus in terms of we're not talking about education in that traditional sense within being in school or homeschool or anything like that but we have got that kind of sort of nice whole sort of envelope of kind of what we're supporting our children with in terms of the outcomes and that obviously through travel and, and the ideas of, of teaching the idea of what is it that you want how do you want to go about it and I think thinking outside the box and the kind of things that you're going to be dealing with and uh, so I'm excited to see where this goes so Mandy, why don't you start us off a little bit of background about what in terms of what you do and also sort of how you got there? Yeah. So um, before we met, we had both had our own experiences in travel and um, we we knew that as we became a couple, we'd have, you know, we'd have to have some kind of middle ground where we met and how we would teach our children uh, as they came along. And we always valued education on our own. Uh, we always had ideas and and big dreams for how we would um, move abroad and and you know study abroad with additional education and um, and so that was definitely a common ground we both actually intended to move to uh, Europe in in our own right and, and uh, continue our education there and so it was um, pretty easy for us to to mesh together and and create a system that we wanted to teach our kids but it was um, it was evident from the beginning that it was important for us to create some kind of a, a an environment at home where we supported their education beyond what they were learning at school. Um, we knew that teachers were under a lot of stress to provide a lot, you know, to provide that core education. And uh, that seemed like it was asking a lot uh, to provide everything for, you know, for what how we wanted our children to learn what we wanted them to learn. And so it was um, pretty easy for us to create our own, not so much curriculum. You know, we we allowed the teachers to to teach what, what to do what they do best, right? But uh, we created our own environment at home um, to support that education. And uh, as they came along, we decided that we wanted them to become really good world citizens. Um, we loved traveling 
together. We love traveling, you know, before we were even together. And we wanted our kids to have that travel experience as well, because it helped us to, to really understand the world in a different way. Um, and, you know, teachers do their best to open up our eyes, but sometimes the only way that you, that you can see it is to actually be physically there and, and to experience it. So, yeah. And we also, um, we really wanted to provide our kids some of the skills that we felt were lacking in our own education. Um, you know, as we became adults and, you know, went to college and those kinds of things, we realized that there were things that we wish we had learned um, that just aren't generally available. They're not usually taught, you know, in that kind of traditional school setting. Um, and we uh, had really discovered that in our travels, that a lot of those lessons were learned there. And so we, we wanted to make travel, but also the idea, as Mandy said, of, you know, becoming a world citizen, um, that that was just as fundamental to a person's life as, you know, arithmetic and uh, learning how to write and all of those skills were. And so definitely something they weren't going to get in a classroom um, and something that we, we definitely wanted to provide for them. And at, a, at, an, and at an age where it was easily absorbed, um, you know, there's a lot of skills that we've tried to learn as adults that would have been so much easier to learn um, as children. And at their young age at that point, you know, they were, they were still pretty young. Uh, we traveled a lot here in the United States, mostly um, near our home state. We're from Utah and we traveled Pacific Northwest, California, um, you know, just kind of exploring close to home as much as we could in our traveling. And, you know, it became our own personal drive for international travel just was <laughs> too strong. So we needed to definitely get out there and see more of the world together. Um, and, and as part of that, we discovered that there was a local program where the kids could go and be immersed daily in, um, in a, a language opportunity. So part of the day was spent uh, learning the traditional education in the language, and then the rest of the day was spent in their native language. And um, we really liked that immersive experience that, you know, that their, their brains were such sponges at a young age, and they could really just soak in that language. So that, um, so we started down that path. And I think that's, that's kind of, um, you know, as as we as we go further into this conversation, that's really the jumping off point where we where we really committed to it and said, this is how we want to raise our family. Yeah. And, and it goes back. So um, I don't know if Mandy mentioned it, but so we had them in uh, French immersion. So I had learned French uh, in college. And and again, going back, that was a skill that I I had a hard time learning French. Um, but as I, you know, studied abroad and and just understood some of the opportunities in the world that were available for bilingual people, uh, we realized that giving our children the exposure to learn a second language um, at such a young age was, you know, far more valuable again than some of the other stuff that they were learning in class. So maybe they, you know, we can catch them up on the math a lot more easily than we can catch them up on learning a language, I think. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely kind of the, a big rock when it comes to uh, how we kind of started and in being involved in our kids' education and again, just kind of filling those holes. But 
Um, but then in bringing travel back into it, you know, we decided to kind of put those skills to the test um, and, you know, took the kids to, uh, to Europe, most spent most of the time in France, um, you know, allowing them the opportunity to not only practice the language, but see that it was a real thing. Um, that there were people in the world using this language that for them was like, what am I doing? Why, why am I learning, you know, math in French? Like, what's the whole point of this? Um, and, and it became very real at that, at that time. Um, and I think that's true of so many other things like, you know, history and, um, you know, even our language and our language arts and a lot of those kinds of things when put into a context, um, become so much more easy to understand and grasp and, and gain a passion for. Uh, and we've definitely discovered that travel can help facilitate that, you know, to put them in the places that some of these things happened or, um, again, you know, giving them an opportunity to use a language that they've been learning only in theory. I mean, I think the whole immersive thing is incredibly important, isn't it? Because, you know, we can impart knowledge, we can share these this is a skill we think you should be aware of or do, but it's only when it becomes relevant in the here and now that it takes on a whole new meaning to them. And like I say, learning a language in a classroom because it comes after English or maths or DT or whatever it happens to be, is very different than we're in France and I want to make sure that I can order dinner or, or say hello to the person as I'm walking down the street, whatever that happens to be. And I think uh, I mean, I think from an educational point of view, generally, I think anything which is makes it real life just changes the whole perception of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And when we were uh, when we were in France, it was well, uh, you know, let me back up a little bit. So this investment that we put into our children and this French immersion program, the school we found was over. 30 minutes away from our home. And so, you know, there was, this was hours spent in the car shuttling them, you know, there and back. And, and I realize in other communities, that's typical. Um, for us, we have really, really good local public school system. And so, you know, most people just go to their neighborhood school, the kids spend five minutes walking down the street and they're, they're at their school. But, but this was something we wanted to uh, really invest our time in. And so we, we, we um, spent the time driving them to and from, and then it became at some point where it was just it was too much. And we actually bought a home just down the street from the school so that now it was our neighborhood school. But, um, you know, then once we were in Paris, we had so many opportunities to really see the growth that had happened in just a few short years in, in this immersion program. We saw them in the park engaging with other kids and, and engaging in ways that they didn't really engage with each other as siblings. You know, the kindness that they showed to some of the other children in the parks was pretty incredible. But the communication skills that they had and, and they could get their needs met and they could, um, you know, play and laugh and run alongside these other kids without any, without any sort of, you know, uncomfortableness. They were just, you know, confident in their speech, and their language skills. And, um, we were at a museum once where um, one of the staff stopped us and actually said, I've been talking to your son over here and uh, I've got, he's got me curious now. Do you live here? And we said, no. And he said, well, you know, have you hired a, a tutor? Does he, ha do you have a live-in tutor or something? Because his, his French skills are amazing. His pronunciation is great. And, you know, and, and to us, we, we're pretty excited about that. We think, well, you know, we've, 
all this work we've put in has definitely paid off and, and how proud we were of him. But also we had to stop and think that his confidence in speaking to a complete stranger at a museum he'd never been to, you know, just there were additional skills beyond just that language and that confidence. Um, and, you know, beyond even that museum experience, as we were leaving to go home, we were in the airport and the gate attendant actually thought that we were trying to kidnap our son or both of our kids because uh, their French was so good that they didn't believe they knew we weren't French. They could take one look at us and say, you definitely aren't <laughs> French, but these children and their, their French skills are amazing. You, you know, you can't, they can't be your children. Are you kidnapping them? And, and we had to go over it a few times and no, this is the program they're in at home. And, and you know, this is why we're here and learning about your country and in, in real, in real time and, and giving them this real experience. And, and so I think that was even, that was just, you know, an incredible um, opportunity for us to show them in real time, what they had been learning. And I think also one thing that really strikes me is the fact that, whether you're an educator in a school or whether you're a parent trying to sort of coordinate your your children's learning is the fact that you do just have to take that step back to decide what it is that you want to do isn't it it's that kind of what's in your community what's something I can actually enroll them in or, or be part of or or am I happy just literally to drop them at the school gates and then in you know, when they leave it 16 or 18 or wherever it happens to be in whichever country, you know, they, they come out the other end and they're, you know, educated, well-rounded or whatever. And I think when we sort of start to realise it's a blended um, and a cohesive idea, and of course that's going to be different for everyone, depends on your school. Like you said, you moved house in order to be near a place that you wanted them to attend or whether you actually think, right, I'm getting something out of this particular education system that they're in, but I can provide this whole new other thing because of who we are and our thought process and, and how we want to be able to do it. And I think it's that kind of collaboration between everything, but it starts with that just being intentional, doesn't it? In terms of what is it that we want them to experience and, and then how do we go about doing that? Yeah. And I think not only, um, uh, you say it's a blend and we have to understand what we want, but we also under have to understand, um, you know, through the, through their lens as well, through our children and, and how they approach education and how they approach learning. And that's different for every child, um, which, you know, for us made us realize why it was so much more important for us to be more involved um, because a teacher, you know, in a classroom with, you know, 20, 30, 40 students, um, you know, how can they cater to those, learning styles. But, you know, another experience that we had, um, again, taking our children um, to Europe, um, you'd mentioned a minute ago, you know, uh, them ordering dinner and things like that. Um, so we were there and we were like, hey, say this, hey, say that, hey, order our food for us. And, you know, kind of poking and prodding for them to use these skills. And we, and we knew he had them. But it wasn't until he got to the park playing with other children um, that he was comfortable speaking. And we realized that, you know, he wouldn't speak to random strangers on a train or order our dinner for us at home. So why would we expect this of our child um, in a foreign country? And, and in, in that point, we realized that, you know, when approaching these skills that we want them to learn, uh, we have to put them in a context 
where they're willing to learn them. Um, you know, educational children or educational shows for young children are fun cartoons for a reason. You know, it's because that's the environment in which they are they're understanding and comprehending the world. And so, um, so it becomes um, a conversation both ways. And we've tried to offer that to our children as well is as much input as they can give us on, you know, how they want their schooling to be and, you know, what things are working for them and what things aren't. Um, and we've had a very strong willingness to, to understand that some things may come later. You know, if they're not really into, you know, a subject, you know, they can always learn those things later when their interest is peaked. Um, and so, if you know, if they're not doing well in one subject, but doing well in another, you know, at least we can nurture the motivation in the one subject and hope that that skill, that motivation can be pursuant to other subjects later on. Um, so we've definitely, you know, a kind of a mantra for us is that, we're, we're much more, um, we, we prioritize how they learn much more than what they learn because uh, we feel that a lot of what they learn can be learned at any time, but how to learn and, you know, developing those skills are a little bit harder to come by. And, you know, in addition to something that you said, Mark, um, I was listening to a recent podcast of yours and she was talking about uh, this, this program they're using, uh, LIFTA, I believe is what it's called. And, um, it, you know, it's interested me it piqued my interest for sure uh on how we're engaged engaging our children in becoming better world citizens and and learning more about things that are happening around them but um there was someone somebody else that had mentioned there are children who've never left their own area code you know their their own community they here in utah there are plenty of people who've never left the state and and while that's great we've got beautiful things to see and and we love the visitors that we receive it it, um, it affects us a lot because we think you know there's so much more out there than than just this place we've been raised and um, and it's it's interesting to know that there are children who will never have that opportunity to to go beyond it and and so for these programs where they're they're learning this language it's not just the language they're learning they're learning community and culture and and changing the way that their brain is working, you know, and how they're absorbing this information. And it was, it was really important for us at the very beginning where we started this immersion program that um, we participated in the classroom as much as we could. And so I, I remember one um, activity, it was kind of a year-end culmination project, but we, uh, I went into the classroom and, and taught one um, age group how you know, what, what it would look like if they were to go to France and tour the different regions of France and, you know, what's, what's there um, to do and to see, and, you know, what are the flavors that are local to that area? And, and uh, we were able to provide little snacks and, you know, different things as they rotated through all the sections. And, and I realize now looking back that there were a lot of parents who couldn't have provided that for them because they just don't have that experience. They, they drop their kids off, as you say, and hope for the best when they're, you know, finished for the day and, and for, for their, their school experience. But um, it was, it was a pleasure, a privilege of mine to be able to go in and, and provide additional support to the teachers uh, from our travel experiences and, and, and to create some, 
maybe a little bit of wanderlust in those kids that they they have a desire now to go and see some of the things that we've talked about some castles and you know and try more of the food and because that's that's definitely an essential part of the culture so that's um i think you know being invested in in their education goes beyond just our own kids as well yeah i love that and 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 i also really love the idea of um of what you said in terms of meeting the children where they are in terms of what they want to learn and how they go about it and 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 like you said just because we think this is a really good idea it might not be now that might be later and and, and I think that's really important and, and I loved your point about the ordering dinner because why they wouldn't do that at home so why would they do it somewhere else and the first thing that made me think and this is why I love the reality of what you're doing as opposed to the traditional education in as much as what's the thing certainly in the UK I remember having to buy a train ticket um ordering dinner or whatever it happened to be the certain set things we had to do when we were learning french and it's interesting Mm -hmm. that kind of real real life as opposed to the yes this is the card for doing this particular thing and this is the card for doing the other thing (laughs) and i just think that's that's such an important thing to have to to keep in mind yeah we also do uh before we take any trip with our kids we talk about transportation and expectations and cultural norms and and things like that so that when they get there they're a little bit more prepared but when uh we have our oldest son is very interested in in vehicles and um he loves he designs cars and builds trains and you know it's just that's that's something that's really um, ingrained in him from a young age. And he uh, he really wanted to learn how the Paris subway system worked. And so we bought a map and, and taught him all about the different lines and, you know, how you could get from one stop to another. And here's what we would see at this location. And here's what, you know, here's at this stop, you can find this, uh, you know, this activity or this museum or whatever and so by the time we got there he was pretty well versed in how to get from point a to point b garrett's bringing you a map <laughs> so he can show you what we used yeah it's uh it, so that was just a, a really neat experience to show to to up level their education even more um to but but in more than just now they understand how to navigate the subway system in Paris when they're there, you know, they'll forget and need a refresh, of course, when they go back. But um, th- there are skills that they learned at that in that conversation as well. So as we're traveling and, you know, in real time, as we're, as we're encountering these, the names of these stops that they've heard a few dozen times now, they, they turn to us and say, oh, that's the stop that's got this, this, and this. And, you know, and, and you can just see them light up with excitement because it's, it's a familiar thing. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. We're not, we are not super parents. We have failures all over the place, but, but there are so many things like this that we look back and think, wow, that was, that was a good idea. I'm glad we did that because, you know, now if they were to get lost, uh, they know the station where we were staying. They know how to get to that station and, and they know how to get to the place that we're staying or they know where to look. Oh, in this station, there's there's a booth where, you know, I can go and ask for help if I'm lost or, you know, um, they were a little bit more prepared in in an international situation where we never we never had any of that when we were kids. <laughs> we just, we, we got thrown in the deep end of the pool and here we go. Yeah, and it's um, you know this particular story of of the Paris Metro Map, um, you know, comes back a lot to that idea of 
of holes and gaps in, in education as a kid. So for me, my Metro map was trial by fire with the London tube uh, map, trying to figure out where I needed to go because, you know, I was there visiting my sister. It was my uh, first international trip. Um, but I wanted to get out and, and see more than she could help me with because she had kids at home. And so I had to learn that map and, and I thrived and I loved it. And it was interesting to me. Um, and I could see similar levels of interest in my son. And so, um, it felt a natural fit for him to have a similar interest. Um, but we forget sometimes that teaching some of those kind of logistical skills, uh, which we consider to be life skills, um, can help other things make sense as well. Um, you know, education is such a, a symphony of things uh, that we, you know, we we go from one class to another and treat them like they're separate subjects. Um, but often they're so intertwined and we don't realize just how much so um, until we start to teach them some of these other skills that can that can help. So, yeah, uh, and and one thing that struck me there was that, you know, the actual skills that you've talking you've talked about on a practical level but i think just the understanding of the relationships and how that like say how they can be used in other ways i mean i remember when we first took our our children i mean i, I lived in london for a long time and um, when i was at music college and when i was my early part of my career before we we moved out into the country a little bit more but when we've taken our kids back in it was things like it's really busy so if we get separated on the tube for whatever reason and we really hope we don't go to the next stop get straight off because we know that we're going to do exactly the same because we know what's going to happen um and just having those certain things and like you say this particular stop you can relate it to whatever that happens to be wherever you are you know make sure you go to the one which has the the tower or it has the museum or whatever so so that you have certain things in place and i think when you start to think that way it might be that you never have that conversation about that particular stop in that particular city but it means that when you travel again or when you're trying to put things in place you're already thinking about the logistics if this happens why don't we do this or we talk about this in a certain way and and like I say that gives you then the breadth of the skill set and the understanding above and beyond like you said just been able to get around on the tube map which is hard enough as it is when yeah. i'm into london when, when i was when i was 19 and by the time i worked out it was going north but it was not gone on this branch or south but it's this line in this different color <laughs> you know yeah. let alone bit coming from a completely different country and and even though the line is going straight up on the map that does not mean the train is going north i mean not not even <laughs> not even close and yeah. and it's interesting you say that you know something that actually just happened this weekend um that can kind of um solidify what you just mentioned is um, my my kids, um, Mandy and I took a trip to Costa Rica uh, a few weeks ago, and it was just the two of us. We didn't take the kids this time. So my my kids, our kids, sorry, were at my mother's um, for the week. And uh, she was telling us this story about how she had decided that she needed to get some work done that required using a ladder. Um, and she had always warned every one of her kids and everyone in the world you know, don't go on a ladder unless someone else is there with you. And current, she, currently she lives at home. And so this was a job that needed doing, but she couldn't do it because no one was there um, to give her any assistance. And so, uh, so she took the opportunity to get up on the ladder to get the job done. And, and, and she uh, told my oldest that same thing. Like, you know, it's always been my rule. I don't get on a ladder unless someone else is here, but you're here now. So I can get on the ladder. And he asked her, 
well, grandma, what am I supposed to do if you fall off the ladder? Should I call 911? And that thought had never occurred to her. Like she has this rule, don't get on a ladder um, unless someone else is there. But what's the point of someone else being there if we don't have some object for them to do something? Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to what you said is, you know, when we give them some of these skills, it helps them understand how to navigate uh, some of those other real life situations. And I think this is one of those moments where he was present. He was aware of what would need to happen next. If something did happen, then then we have something that, you know, a, a, a resource or a, a resolution for the for the thing that happens. And um, and again, I do think that that comes from teaching some of those practical skills, but in a fun, non educating teaching kind of way. It's like, hey, let's play a game. Can you get us to our destination? Um, you know, they scour a map and, you know, synapses are firing and all sorts of education is happening and they're not even aware of it. Yeah, they, they don't know that we play these games with them <laughs> often, but it's it's fun for us as parents because we yeah, know yeah. what's happening and they're just having a good time. Yeah, and that's the thing about creating the environment. I, and I always think that's the thing about being the adult, whether you're a parent or a teacher, it's that kind of where it... I think I think it's experienced enough. We know what we're trying to achieve, but we can then create the environment to then be able to have these moving parts in such a way that it gives them enough creativity and enough scope to get the skills and the understanding and whatever they're they're going to learn from it. But within that controlled environment, which may not seem controlled to to the children looking in, I, I think I think that's clever and smart. And I think when you can understand that, it's not easy to produce all those times. But like you say, if you can if you can do that, then it's a it's a brilliant thing. Yeah. And it is um, just a different way of, of traveling as well. I mean, there are plenty of parents who take their kids to Disney World and, you know, and, and the parents plan the entire trip and, and the kids are just along for the enjoyment. They show up, they they experience, they go home. It's, you know, that's that's kind of the end of it. But um, we feel like there's there's more opportunity to be had. So we we definitely stretch it as far as we can. Yeah. So let, let's swing around now because there are going to be people thinking that sounds brilliant. Let's go to Paris. You know, let's go wherever <laughs> we can. We, we, we can possibly go. But how do I get there? You know, you know, it's that kind of these these things are expensive. These, you know, the practicalities of it. Um, how's that going to work for me? I could save up, but my child's going to be 30. And by which time maybe they can pay for me to go <laughs> whatever it happens to be. Um, so, so talk us through actually what it is that, that you do to support people in order to make this happen when maybe they think it's an impossible dream. So the main thing in which we do as a business is we teach parents basically how to travel hack. Uh, so for us in the United States, um, that is heavily involved in like using credit cards and credit card rewards to offset a lot of those travel costs. Um, but we do, uh, also teach people a lot about how, um, planning, um, can, can also help in some of those environments. We, we talk a lot about pre-planning trips, you know, when you have an idea of trip costs and things like that, it makes it easier to you know, budget for things, but it also gives you the opportunity to, to see when sales happen. So if if you know how much things are supposed to cost, you can see when, you know, a deal comes and if it's a good deal, uh, and, you know, kind of seizing some of those opportunities as well. Um, but also just, uh, 
you know, a lot of times uh, people feel that they can't afford to go to a certain destination or a certain location um, because they feel they need to eat out for every meal or, you know, uh, they have to do the trip the right way or they don't want to go to Paris unless they can do X, Y, and Z. Um, and those are definitely really great concerns, you know, especially when you're spending the kind of money that travel often does. But um, but we often talk a lot about how, you know, I would I would rather spend a weekend in Paris um, than not go at all because I felt like I needed a whole week, um, that kind of thing. And so, uh, so there's definitely some mindset things there that can help people to, to achieve some of those dreams and, and take some of those trips that they would really want to. Um, but there's also other resources for finding more money. Um, uh, you know, uh, one thing that we've, uh, we have a lot of clients that do is they actually will donate plasma. I'm not sure how, uh, available that is, um, around the world. Um, but it's just an idea of another resource because that can end up being a few hundred dollars a month, which doesn't seem like a lot when it comes to your bills, but you know, over the course of the year, that can be $5,000 or, you know, it equates about 4,000 pounds or 4,500 pounds or something like that, which can be a lot of money um, to take a really nice trip, um, you know, and, and to do that once a year. Um, and so, you know, those other little pockets of money um, are, are helpful. And so we, we do help people trying to find those other resources as well. One key element that, that I always find um comes back to my focus is planning. Um, I call myself a planning nerd, but I have <laughs> spreadsheets with multiple tabs that are, you know, future trips that we've envisioned for ourselves. And, and you know, Garrett mentioned that we pre-plan a lot of our trips, but um, more than just being well prepared for those trips or, or being able to, to look and see if that's actually an option that we want to take. Uh, we see fair sales from, you know, airfare, sales all the time. And, and it gets really tempting sometimes when you see, oh, this is really cheap to fly here. Let's just go, let's just do it and go. And and sometimes those are really great trips, but sometimes those push, uh, they push back our dream trips, you know, kind of our dream trips take a back seat because these fair sales take over. And uh, those pre-planning steps really help us to find out if they really help us to narrow our priorities and to come together as a family and decide, is this something that we want to do? Uh, where does this fall in our, you know, in our line of priorities and, and trips that we want to take? Um, but it also, I think for, for anybody who's not used to planning trips, it allows you to actually take a look um, at tangible figures. So you can say, I've pre-planned this trip. I think that if we go to this country, it's going to cost us about this much. My research tells me it's going to cost about this much. I had no idea it could be so affordable to go to this place. Uh, you know, and, and just asking better questions, asking more questions as you're just diving into the possibilities that are in front of you. Um, the year that we took our kids to Europe, a few months later, we took them to Disney World, and it actually cost more to take them to Disney World than it did to take them to Europe. And and when we tell people that, it's it's kind of surprising, but um, we were able to travel hack a lot better in Europe than we were, you know, a lot of our Disney expenses. And don't get me wrong, we're really big Disney nerds, and so we 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 have a goal that we go at least 
every other year to some Disney park somewhere around the world. That um, our goal is to see all of them, of course. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know that that concept that you don't know what you don't know, and if you don't dive in and ask those questions or do a little bit of research, you may not know that you that you already have the money to go to this place that you want to go or somewhere that, you know, maybe on the flip side, wow, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. Well, that's a really expensive trip, even though it's part of the United States, that's a very pricey trip. And so you get the opportunity to have that conversation as a family. What are your priorities? What, what's, um, what's really the goal here? And, and so, you know, the planning element is pretty strong for us. I love that. And I think being intentional and and being detailed, I think that's really key. And you can see, again, how these skills transfer, you know, from a trip point of view. I, I think, like you said, understanding that it normally costs this to get a flight to wherever or, you know, this hotel generally will be like this, but it doesn't have to be a hotel. But I also know that for whatever reason, it's half price now <laughs> or whatever it happens to be, just being aware of all these things going on. And again, transferable skills. You know, I want to be able to buy, I'm just thinking of um, our life at the moment. It's what we want to buy. Uh, I want to build a computer, which is what our, <laughs> our, our middle child was saying. And it's like, these are all the elements. These are how I could do it. You know, the, um, we had a um, the Amazon sale was just on. It's like, yeah, I could do that, but I can't quite afford it now. And it's like, well, how much cheaper actually is it? Did you know what it was before? You know, and you waited a couple of days and actually it wasn't that much different than it could have been. And and it's like you say, it's just having all those pieces in place and then being intentional about how you get there, when you want to, whether it's earning more money, whether it's waiting for the best deal and the combination of all those things. So I love that. And the fact that, like you say, they're so transferable all the way, all the way through. So let's just swing this into into your educational experiences from from when you were younger your sort of lifestyle now and and your desire to to live the life in the way that you are was that spurred on by your sort of learning experiences from an educational point of view or a a life or a life point of view or because you didn't have it that you kind of thought it was a good idea How, how did that work for you so I, I think it was really just, um, we've kind of grown into where we're at for sure. Um, I think some of it did come from, you know, um, uh, grade school, especially for me, you know, elementary school and some of those early years, a lot of those things came so easy to me um, that I never really challenged myself. Uh, and it wasn't really until college that I really understood the idea of education, um, of you know, not just sitting in a class and, you know, rudimentarily learning um, different topics and things like that. Um, but in school, you know, I studied philosophy and, and it definitely kind of opened my mind to the idea um, that what our lives are and what they're meant to be uh, can be a lot more than just a bunch of steps or checklists on a piece of paper. And, and so, uh, and, and Mandy had mentioned this at the beginning, you know, just the desire to, you know, I wanted to live abroad and finish my studies that way. And, and at a young age, honestly, I probably wanted to do that just because it sounded cool. Um, and not necessarily because I thought it was going to offer me any better opportunities. Um, but as we've gotten older and as we've tried to implement some of these things with our children, you know, it, it goes back to that word you used of being intentional. And, you know, we've just kind of come to that understanding uh and and from different places you know mandy could definitely tell you a different story 
um, but we've still kind of arrived at this place. Um, and some of it is really experiential. You know, we've, we've, we have traveled, we made it a priority and we've seen the benefits of it. Um, and so it may not be the only way, it may not be the best way, um, but it's a way that's, that again, has filled some of those holes, those gaps of what I feel was missing from my own education um, that, that made, you know, going from high school to college, such a drastic transition. Um, and we don't want that for our kids. You know, we want the process of learning to be lifelong and for them to understand that it's lifelong um, without begrudging it because they just have to go to school in the morning. Yeah. And I think, you know, my experience was pretty similar. I had a, a few teachers who saw in me something that I didn't see in myself. And um, as a as a teenager, I was kind of feisty and a bit of a troublemaker. <laughs> and so they saw beyond the teenageriness of, of what I was doing, my behavior, and they saw some potential in me. And you know, they were able to look past that and, and encourage me and inspire me to do different things. And, um, you know, they, they saw some of the influences in the people that I was hanging around with and, you know, where my, where my potential could be if I had just, if I could just take a couple more steps. And, and I think uh, that helped me a lot that somebody saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself. And I think um, it's a, um, sort of going back to what you said before about some things being more traditional in terms of that sc school system. Teachers are used to seeing these sorts of range of behaviours. They're used to seeing a range of children. And like I say, just inherently from being a teacher, you, you want to help and support children to be the best <laughs> that, that they can. And, and I think, um, like I say, if you've been completely out of that, your experience would be different. And I think that understanding, a little bit like um, Garrett said there, in terms of it's not about that you missed your time or you missed out because you had this experience. It's that you can then decide to create it. And of course, that's different when you're younger because you have less say in some of these things. But understanding that you do have some in the way you go about being able to do that and also then well if I don't do it this year I'll do it next year if I don't do it next year maybe I'll do it another way or I'll, or I'll ask you that pertinent question of you know why can't we go to Disney or you know why can't I learn maths in this way or why you know can I create something like this to sell or whatever it happens to be and and I think it is a combination of that kind of environment but knowing that you know it's a movable feast and you can create all those things um as and when you want to which like I say is as you get older you start to realize those things but it's there and, and I, I always sort of look back and especially when we start to, to talk about um advice and and things that you might tell your younger self it's that kind of it might be you might not have taken it on and and I'm, I'm be interested Mandy in a second to hear your sort of um, understanding of that of, of someone telling you about you know who you're hanging around with or the things that you can come out with but if you never hear them to begin with or no one points it out then you don't know do you so it's interesting that kind of thing yeah certainly um I didn't like when someone told me <laughs> you know <laughs> the people you're hanging around with may not be the best fit for you I didn't like that um and you know it took me a few years to look back and say oh yeah they were, they were right. <laughs> they knew, they could see. Um, as a teenager, I didn't want anyone else to be right. I, I was the right, I was the one that was right. You know, I knew better. Um, but definitely that if, if nobody had mentioned it to me, it may not have ever occurred to me. Yeah, I may have been definitely blinded by 
by things and you know and to be very specific i i was blinded by what other people thought or you know the expectations of the community i was hanging around or um that that was very heavy for me and it, you know if i could go back a piece a piece of advice i'd give myself is that i uh not to worry so much about who you know who thinks what or you know other people's opinions don't worry about those as much and and don't put so much um value on these current situations because give it a couple of years and they're ancient history and they just don't matter anymore so yeah it's a very interesting thing that isn't it about why we all seem to take on these things about having to be a certain way or or do the right thing or be or be perceived in a certain way to other people because I, I hear that quite a lot that kind of you know if we could just take a deep breath and chill out about the whole thing and just you know do what's feels right then life would be so much easier and i think we'd all we'd all quite like that and, it, and i think sometimes that 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 there's a, a specific thing you can do in terms of sort of putting your energy into helping other people which i think kind of deflects that in terms of it not all being about you but that's sort of a, a slightly different uh, conversation um and garrett if, if you've got any advice you give your younger self or a piece of advice that someone's given you that's made a, a real difference in your life yeah so it's it's in the same vein of that idea of like, you know, just relax and and uh, let things go. But um, you know, I've always had that attitude. You know, I'm a pretty laid back person, and, and things in life have just always kind of worked out. And I've always had that foresight that, you know, things may feel tough now, but they're they'll work themselves out. But I really don't feel I've ever put that to the test. And so if, for my younger self, I would tell him to take more risks. Um, to really put put myself out there, um, try some things. Um, you know, you didn't, you don't always have to have all the pieces of the puzzle figured out um, before you kind of take that that leap of faith. Um, and sometimes it's not even a leap of faith. Sometimes it's just a freaking leap, and mm -hmm. you've gotta you've gotta trust not necessarily that the thing's gonna work out, but that you will be okay, and that you will, you know figure out a different solution if that one uh, didn't pan out. So uh, that's definitely the the main thing I would tell my younger self is to, to take some more risk. And, you know, in that I, I, same vein of like progress over perfection, like just, just get started. This is a lesson where we learn as adults every day, you know, just get started, take a step, do the next thing, you know, in, in planning trips, just start, you know, do some research or put your, put your neck out there just a little bit to see what's available. Um, we trip ourselves up a lot by, by worrying about it, not being perfect or not being how it should be, or, you know, how we think it should be. So just, just get going. Definitely. I could definitely join your party there in terms of that taking that next step because i'm definitely one for that well if i do this and then this will happen in that person and this and that and then before i know it it's like and now i've done nothing because i can't work out all those pieces and and, and it's not made any difference and yeah and what pressure just, we put on ourselves thing. yeah for no reason exactly right? exactly who knows who knows but yeah there's there's a definite club there that we can start to create i'm sure there are many people listening <laughs> who'd be able, to, <laughs> be able to relate um so just as we wrap up then is there a resource or anything which has made a big impact on on each of your life and and it can be you know song video film podcast book and i guess there's a myriad of all of them but if you could just pick out one or two that'd be fantastic yeah uh, you know as an older 
as an older youth and maybe maybe a young adult is when I started this, but I, I discovered that I loved documentaries and that I actually was a lifelong learner. And if I could remove myself from, from the crowd I was hanging out with that didn't want anything to do with lifelong learning, I actually... I, I'm I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to learning about things. So I've picked up books on a wide range of subjects. Um, something that really stood out to me was a book called Ishmael. Uh, the author is Daniel Quinn. And I know now it's become, um, I don't know, required reading, recommended reading. But anyway, it's uh, I, I won't tell you a whole lot about it because I, I don't want to ruin the surprise for you in the end. But um, it was an, it was a book that opened up my eyes to to see that things aren't always as they seem, and there is more out there in the world than than what I knew to be true. Um, it, it w- that was an interesting book for me. Yeah, and for me, uh, a book that's definitely impacted my life in the biggest way. Um, you know, while I was studying philosophy, a book called Beyond Good and Evil by Frederick Nietzsche. And, you know, contextually, the book is really talking about how people with power are who create these constructs by which all of us little minions kind of follow along. Um, So it's definitely tough reading um, on its face. But the thing I've always taken from it is just the idea that life is rarely this black and white kind of idea Um, and going through life feeling like it's black and white um, is often what leads us to, you know, judgment of others, but also sometimes stopping us from doing, you know, things that we should be doing uh, because it feels wrong or doesn't feel right. Or someone will think this of me or, you know, my religion or my schooling uh, has told me that that's not okay. Um, But uh, but to look at life more from a context of instead of right or wrong or good and evil, as the book's title indicates, um, is more about healthy and not healthy, um, more about things that serve or don't serve us. Uh, and and I've always liked to look at life more so that way, you know, helps reduce the shame and us beating ourselves up when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um but also gives us that opportunity to, to try things and, and try and become who it is that we feel we're supposed to be. Yeah, I love that. And it's in, all of it's incredibly insightful. And I think it doesn't come as a big surprise having, you know, spent this last sort of nearly an hour chatting to you in terms of, of what your philosophy is about, but how you're actually showing up in life in terms of what you're doing and how you're trying to create it and, and, and building that all up. So yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of those. And we'll have links to those in the show notes as well. So anyone that's piqued anyone's interest, they can go and check it all out directly. So um, do tell us exactly where people can find out more about you online. And, and certainly if uh, people have suddenly decided, yes, there's definitely a destination I've written down on my piece of paper here, and I'm going to work out the best in the, the way of being able to achieve that we're definitely more active on uh instagram social media wise um, we do have a facebook facebook page as well uh, um, our company is called connected family travel so you can find us on instagram uh, our email or our uh, website connectedfamilytravel.com pretty simple um and we're we're working on developing a couple of additional resources that you know that are uh, pretty inexpensive to help parents really get started. 
um, parents who've never never really encountered the world of travel hacking and you know just some basic steps which cards we recommend and and how to how to base how to get started and get going so yeah just so a main a main way to get a get to us um, at connected family travel to, at connected family travel on Instagram but we do also have uh, we just finished uh, a resource that can be really helpful to parents who want to try and travel with their kids as a way of education. Um, and, in, and the resources actually to what they can do to help let their kids plan the trip. Um, we've also felt that that's very important when it comes to the educational side of it. Um, so they can find that at our, on our website, connectedfamilytravel.com, and then it's forward slash kid plan, uh, all one word. So that's a great resource that they can use to, to get started planning that trip, include their kids in it. Um, and even if they never take the trip, um, going through some of those steps can just be a great way to learn about a new place. And one more way to kind of connect with us, we're launching our own podcast soon. And so we'll have a lot more conversation um, like this and in, in a wide range of <laughs> traveling with your family kinds of topics. So. Fantastic. Well, I can I can imagine everybody's journey is different, and every travel trip is different. And I can I can yeah, so that's going to be a fascinating listen. So yeah, congratulations on on getting that going, and I'll definitely be be tuning in. So Garrett, Mandy, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real privilege, um, and and a delight to chat to you and understand both what you do, but I think just the way you come across and and what you've been able to share with us on a, on a human and a and a family and a and that kind of um understanding and levels being brilliant. So yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. It's been great. We love uh, talking about it and getting other perspectives in to bounce off of ours as well. So, yeah, it's been great. We appreciate you having us on. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.